idea for all this really came from a dream yes it did i just don't want us to get demonetized <laughs> good evening and welcome to nox monte failed start tonight's guest is adam tarsus longtime friend of the show friend of ours i've known we've known him for years and years Adam has been a registered nurse for 32 years, a family addiction crisis counselor for 22 years, and 17 years in patient advocacy. On the spiritual side of life, he's a trained shaman and has been teaching and guiding people in their healing path work for over 30 years. Adam, welcome to the show. Finally. It's good to be here, finally. Yay, Adam. I just adore you. And the more I speak with you, the... Uh, the cooler the, he is. The cooler you are, all of you, because you have DID. And, do. and I am utterly fascinated by that. You're, uh, I, can, I can sense the difference in different, uh, different ones coming forward. And you're one, and you're completely solid also. You're, you're so solid. And so... I don't know. You're you're literally one of the coolest people I know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not great at taking compliments. But, I know, but really, and I I'll, know that I'll receive too. that with an open heart. Thank you. <laughs> I I know you've told me that in the past. I just want to say that because there's no end to fascinating conversations with you, and uh, anyone that knows you knows this. And it, it, it's so when I read. I read the bio and when it said shaman, I didn't flinch. I flinch a lot of times when I see that word and I did not at all. I do not flinch with you because it, you really do bring that forth. And, and one of the things I do think about when I think about that energy is someone that's able to traverse uh, worlds and mindsets and all that. And you come inherently with that. So it's, you know, I mean, it's true, true. And I'm happy to call you a shaman, a shamanic person. I, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> I think from my perspective, um, it's, uh, it's a very um, solid and integral part of uh, who I am uh, singularly and also collectively. And I got to say that, that without the, the shamanic training that I've had and without having the, the mentors and the guidance that I've had on my own journey, um, I think my DID would, would be less of a blessing and, and more of a curse. I think it would be much more difficult to live with. Um, but I was taught to, to really view it very much as, as just a, another part of my life, another, another mental or, or emotional faculty, you know? Yeah. it's. Uh... 
it's it's definitely a gift in your case for sure and uh, it, it also has me uh, during most interactions with you you know even in text it has me questioning a lot of times the voices i and they're not like separate voices but the the hunches intuitions the the feelings that arise that sometimes i don't associate with myself and i speak about that a lot about know yourself and you know i mean it's a gnosis thing and it's it's a you're looking to expand your consciousness that's that's one of the things you know it's one of the tenets and uh it's just just in interacting with you i have had to do some reassessing and that is a passive that's like one of the many passive gifts of interactions with you is that this brings forth um ideas of self and identity at a whole different level uh when interacting with you especially on the depth of information that the different ones within you live can you to start out because we always go with background on people to set a foundation uh give us a little you know walk people through what the idea is the way you experience it so that for people that are not familiar with it and give us a little bit of a taste of that as we build the house oh wow <laughs> that's, that's wow nobody's ever asked me to do that before um this is cool i like i like new things <clears throat> even when they're scary new things are good unless yes. they're really a bad thing you know but yeah 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 um well it, for anybody who doesn't know uh did um it means disassociative identity disorder um at one time it was called multiple personality disorder and is still uh, referred to that way by many people. Um, and there are different levels of that. Um, there are people that experience or, or are DID to the point where they're, uh, they're fragmented, uh, which means that their, their core personality has fragmented into um, smaller, more two-dimensional pieces. And then when, you know, um, and then there's, there's DID like, uh, that I have where I have actually uh, complete other um, personality. So I, uh, <clears throat> in, in my early life um, as a child, and I can remember it now, um, which I'll explain, but uh, I remember um, that we were pretty much always all of us. Um, it, you know how kids have imaginary friends. I had imaginary friends too. Um, but they were just different, different versions of me, different, uh, different parts of myself, given voice and expression, um, independently of, uh, of like, say, my core identity, which, which is a, an, an odd thing for me to grasp sometimes because even though I know there, there exists a core identity somewhere, um, I think because my trauma happened in utero, um, I never have really had a complete or solid sense of self that was singular. And I say that when I say I, I'm really, I'm really saying we, but I is the acceptable term in our world. And so that's easier for frames of reference and communication. Um, and I, I experience 
my DID. Um, I went through a time where uh, I experienced dissociative behavior where uh, I would disassociate and lose time at one point in my life in, um, in my late 20s and early 30s. Um, I was actually living two complete different lives at the same time. Um, one of those lives included a wife and children, and one of them didn't. And, uh, you know, so, so I've had some, some experiences that I think when viewed through a negative lens could be viewed as very negative. Um, but now, uh, now it's not so much that where I, I lose time, but I've come a, a really long way in my own path work and in my own therapeutic healing. And I think, I think of myself more now as a healed DID. I'm able to be co-conscious with several of my alters at one time, which just means I'm basically they, they share their perspective and their understanding of situations taking place around me. So it's, it's kind of like having a constant data stream in my head, um, being able to see situations from multiple perspectives at the same time is a unique advantage in a hospital or a therapeutic setting. And, and to be honest, uh, the more I've, uh, found my own solid footing and my own comfort level with who we are as an identity collectively, the more that served to make me um, good as a nurse and good as a counselor. And honestly, I think just in a lot of ways, um, it, it's helped me to be a better person just in the sense that it's allowed me a level of self-exploration that I think maybe other people um, kind of put off a little bit in their lives. And yeah. I had to, I had to go through mine um, out of self-preservation. Yeah. So. And I've only known you since you've had it all together. And, um, and there's been some sense of cohesion and in the Adam Tarsus or, you know, you seem to be the main speaker. How many are there? Have you counted? Um. And also a follow-up here is you mentioned the nursery and stuff. So there are some that are constantly, you know, you're having babies, so to speak, well, you know. Actually, yeah. Um, uh, I refer to, uh, uh, wow, this is, this is more difficult than I thought. I really don't talk a lot, a lot about these things from my personal perspective. This is new for me. So, so bear with me a little, please. Feel free to um, decline any. Absolutely, queries yeah. if you want yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely um my internal world um and when i'm when i refer to my system i'm i'm talking about really how we're we're organized and in my system we're numeric and like we exist in cells so um like i'm i am my system's presenter our job or my job rather is is to uh, to translate and to mediate. I'm the peacemaker. I'm I'm the one that does all the all the diplomatic stuff. So I'm built to be the interface with the rest of the world for them. Because in my internal world, my system doesn't use words at all. When words are in my system, they literally appear like they are in comic books. Um, so I translate. Uh, the the internal language that you have, which is all usually all just on a very spiritual, uh, intuitive level. Uh, sometimes it's patterns and colors, and sometimes it's just a vibration. And that translates for me. I translate that to words for this world. And I do the same thing for the things in this world. I translate it back to them. 
Um, so, but to do that, um, I'm a five. There are five versions of Adam that are the presenter, and we are considered in my system a single identity, even though there's five of us, but it takes five of us to do this job. It's five different versions of us that make up the vibration that is Adam. So um, when I become co-conscious with another personality, it changes that vibration. And then that changes our shape, the shape that we take internally. Um, so in my system, like I said, it's numeric. I'm a five. And, um, but I also have ones and threes. And I have even numbers that are, you know, twos, fours, and sixes. We go up to the number 13. Um, 13s are unique numbers because they're the numbers of change and rebirth equally. They're also mm -hmm. the numbers of growth and rebirth. Um, you know, uh, and then I, I also have aspects, uh, personalities in my system that um, I have group personalities that have group identity. Um, I have a group that we refer to as the writers and the staff, and their sole purpose is to record all of our history because they're responsible for our continuity internally and externally. So um, it used to be when my system was unhealthy, when there was a lot of uh, spiritual wounding still in my system, um, their job was to rewrite memories mm. um, so that when I lost time, there could be, you know, a bandage over the sucking chest wound that had become my life. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um, and you got to have a sense of humor about it to heal. You have to be able to laugh at the yeah. crazy that it, that it does to you. But, but the truth is like, I, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade. I have no idea what it's like to be a single identity person. And to me, that seems really scary. Like yeah. I have no understanding of that at all. This is, uh, I thank you so much for this. It is, I think this is very, very, very illuminating for people out there and, and possibly people that may be experiencing anything similar and are not sure what they're experiencing. And I think there are more well, out there than we know. Um, I, <clears throat> statistically, it's, it's, uh, it's misdiagnosed very often. Um, and, you know, I, I've met other DID people. I've been in group with them. I've been in single therapy with them, both as a therapist and as a patient. And, um, and I have to say that um, it's, it's just as individual meeting somebody else with DID as it is meeting a single identity person because um, how other people experience their multiplicity um, is just as unique to me as, as the way I experience mine usually is to them. I've, I have met multiples who experience their multiplicity very similarly, but they're like key elements that are very different. And so, so you know, I think it's that same flavor of, of meeting people when it comes to DID people. So, so like I assume, I don't know, but I assume that that when when SIDS people, single identity people, when uh, when single sorry, uh, when single identity people, when you're experiencing those different facets of your of your emotions or those different facets of your deeper core self, and those other voices of reason or not so reason, um, I suspect really what's happening is you are hearing 
those things that for me, I observe consciously, but for you are unconscious interactions with your higher self and the other portions of yourself working out your daily thing. The elves in the background take care of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, my background elves just wear brightly colored uniforms and, well, you, and are very loud. Yours are quiet and sneaky. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. We don't, we don't come, they don't come out unless there's some, you know, something to yeah. come out for. <clears throat> Yeah, I just I wanted know. to clarify for the listener and the audience that your numbering system is a classification of a type of personality under mm-hmm. which there are can be multiple versions of these. Yep. And they the types that are from one to thirteen, indicating thirteen different types of personalities. Just I wanted to make that clear. You just you breezed by it and I think that's really interesting. And I'm not trying to bring it back up to talk about. It. I'm just clarifying for everyone what you mean. No, no, that's fine. Like I said, um, I don't, I don't normally talk about uh, this aspect of my life. It's right, which really is why super I wanted private, to clarify. So, <laughs> so um, I don't have a lot of experience at discussing it outside of a therapeutic setting, and so yeah. I think I'm kind of like I'm kind of excited <laughs> and and apprehensive and. Sometimes I have one speed. My friend, uh, I have a friend that has told me a couple of times, you got to slow down. I literally cannot listen as fast as you're talking. So um, if, 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 I, if I breeze by something really quickly, feel free to, to ask for clarification or, or more oh, information. I, yeah. I have no you know? problem with that. Solaris Blue Raven is cool. a good friend of mine, and she is a speed talker. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> My mother says that that on 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 even a good day, I can suck the oxygen out of the room without trying. So, and I just figured because it's there, there's a lot of us, and we all have something to say, and we spent like a lot of our life um, where so many of us um, had tape over our mouths, uh, physically and and metaphorically. So yeah. I think uh, because there came a point, there came a point where where the, the, it was becoming obvious that, that we were a lot of other people. And it mm-hmm. became obvious to us that other people were not built like we were built, that there were differences and there were things that um, we couldn't account for. And well, so at some point, and I think it happened around the age of eight, seven oh. or eight, I think we decided collectively that whoever our presenter was at that time um, needed to forget that we were all of us because it was safer. It yeah. was safer to be seen as a single person. And so one of the, one of the reasons that um, I, it, was, it was so difficult for me to, to uh, get a proper diagnosis to actually begin the therapeutic process that I needed to begin to heal was that we became adept at appearing like one person. A lot of the mm. differentiation between us didn't start until the healing started because we're just really good at making one person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and, on, and see, so much of speaking with you has brought up a lot of my own personal stuff and, and internal protective mechanisms where, and I had told you this privately, where, you know, I've, I've questioned myself because I get a lot of what I call downloaded information. And uh, it, it you've just made, just knowing you has made me rethink 
a lot about my the structure of my own psyche and my own idea of personhood. And uh, for that, I, I cherish you. I just love you. And so, but I wanted to, I wanted to set that foundation for this show because you, you do freely in normal conversation, at least with me, you, you do mention, there are things you say that if someone doesn't understand uh, this perspective, and especially since we're jumping into dreams and all that, that's going to be juicy. Uh, it, it may be confusing. And so this is a big part of you. And this is a part I celebrate. So this is, I mean, this is what, this is, this is valuable uh, in a way that I think is hard to actually pin down in words. So with that said, let's move into, give us an idea of your early childhood, the normal Noxmente stuff that Pin, that jumps forward here with this. What were the things that inspired you as a as far back as you can recall? What what relationship did you have with nature, and how did all this early functioning play out within uh, your ideas of the reality we're living in? Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> I know that's a lot, me, but I know you have the processing me, power. <laughs> let me open up, open this up with with before I can tell you the answer to to any of that. I have to tell you that um, I tell you a little bit about my mom. Um, when uh, when my mom was uh, she was seventeen. And she was seven and a half months pregnant with me. And um, she was shot. It was an accident. She was shot by my father. And um, my, uh, my mother and I died collectively. We died three times, once in the ambulance and twice uh, on the operating table. Um, the night that she was shot, and here's some, here's some woo. The night that she was shot, this is in 1968, in the month of November happened to be the night of the doctor's ball and the doctor that um, examined her and performed the surgery that saved her life. It was an experimental surgery had only just been approved for human trials. And my mom was like the out of the frying pan into the fire trial. And so they took uh, veins from her legs to repair the artery in her neck where she had been shot. Um, but during that process, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but during that process, um, they lost me. Uh, they lost me a couple times, and um, they were afraid to tell her because when she first came out of surgery, they hadn't been able to find a heartbeat for me for for a while, <laughs> and um, and they they were afraid to tell her uh, that they thought she might have lost the baby because they thought that would. Uh, really, really damage her, her own chances for recovery. Um, so uh, I, I ended up being born, and uh, I was two and a half months early, and uh, I've been obnoxious ever since. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like my my coming into this world was a rough trip. It was not a good beam in, um, but. I, I actually do have, I, I have 
memory of that. Um, Can you describe what fragments of the memory are are still lingering? Um, the only words that really have ever ever resonated, because there's no way to explain to you. There's no way to explain to you an image that's not an image. Or, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how I would explain to you, but the sense of it was, and the thing that has lingered with me, and the thing that has really stayed with me, and uh, is is the incredible, simplistic and straightforward complexity of how our creation is strung together. And I think that that stayed with me. That vibration and that energy stayed with me. I remember. Uh, being given the choice that I could uh, I could come come into this world if I wanted to, or I could skip it. And I was shown everything that every possibility that I would live through, everything that would be good, bad, or indifferent. And I still chose to show up here. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes in the past, I've questioned why, but I think I have a good sense of why, um, because I wanted to carry. I wanted to carry that vibration with me, that, that sense of connectedness. And that's really how I see my gift, that I, that's how I really see uh, my multiplicity. It, it lets me pour out a part of myself into the world. And the response to that when I do is that on an internal level, my shape changes and I feel and see and perceive the connection um, between things, between people, between people and situations. And, you know, so it's kind of like the, the best diagnostic tool I could have. Yeah. It's, there's so, there's so much here that, uh, that just makes my mind swim. I want, in part, I wonder sometimes if this is not the state in which you exist is not the natural more of the natural state than this kind of uh limited one identity and i've wondered this often when i think about my own coming into this plain story and with a sense of exactly you know I, i didn't come in i didn't just wake up and you know come to consciousness slowly i came in as i am and there was always a strangeness to it, but also a separation, like I feel separated from something. Uh, I, so that's why I was trying to understand with what you're saying, which there's something in there that seems really relevant for me personally, at least. I could see that. I, I you know, I, uh, I, I have said a couple of times and, um, um, you know, my system, I numbered it and made it numeric, but the geometric pattern that it makes, the the vibration that it makes is the vibration that I brought back with me. The vibration that I came into this world with is the shape of it is mm-hmm. the same. It's yes. that, I, it's like, it's that forge of creation shape and I don't know how to call it anything else. And I don't know what I would call it if I called it anything else. It's just that that's, that's what it is. I don't think you've ever told me this, but I've always pictured it as hexagons, hexa- like hexagonal cubes. 
it is hexagonal cubes and mm, i have never I've told you it. that <laughs> interesting we're I, all getting see, the visual <laughs> yeah yeah like i i never really shared that with anybody i i try and keep you know actually you know i just try honestly i just don't talk about it a lot in my personal life um it can be really it can make people really uncomfortable um and and i i already am weirdly socially awkward so so i don't like to you know, raise the level of discomfort if I can willingly not do that. <laughs> and, um, I think it's cool. So. I know, like, I, I really believe, like, um, I really believe that every person on the face of the planet is experiencing themselves multidimensionally mm -hmm. right now. Yes. It's just the only difference is, is I don't have the same level of, of uh, uh, veils in place as, as other people. And I've always kind of thought that for me, it's because... I'm not as tightly bound to this world because of so many deaths before my birth. And I've had a couple since my birth. So I, I've always kind of thought that that played into it on a spiritual energetic level. Some, Cause everybody is multidimensional. I know. Cause I can see it around everyone. Yes. You yes. Know, it's like, that's what I'm saying. Everybody is multidimensional. Um, yeah. But I don't think, I don't think everybody's aware of it. Cause I think if you're a, a, like hyper aware of it, and I think I'm aware of it, but I don't think I'm hyper aware of it. But I think if you were hyper aware of it, you could step into any lifetime that you want because, you know, consciousness is fluid. And um, I, from my perspective, I can't speak for anyone else, but, you know, in order for karma to actually work and be a functioning system, you can't live only one lifetime at a time. It won't work that way. Right. So what, what's actually happening is you're living all your possible lifetimes at the same time, all the time. Yes. That's, that's, why, that's why there are people that can have like zero karma in their natal charts, like Suzanne and, and Jerry. Um, that's why instant karma can happen because it's part of that constant flow network. It's like perpetual motion. And it has to be in perpetual motion or it wouldn't work at all. And there has to be karma because it's part of spiritual evolution. So, you know, it's, you know, this is when I was talking earlier, and this is one of the things that just in being in contact with you and as, as you know, just being in contact, there's like a, a symbiosis that happened energetically. And it's, it's one of these things I was always in tune with, but I, when I, when I'm stepping into my creative self, whether I'm painting or I mean, even if it's a tarot reading or even if it's decorating a room, not just doing like fine art, uh, there's another me functioning. It's, I always say, I, I, this is the thing. I am not, I didn't do it. I didn't do that painting. I didn't do that video. I didn't do that. And it's always confused people. But what I mean by that is I've, I've whatever I am is niche, I step aside and I allow this energy to flow. And I recognize it. So I recognize, and I call it, I call it the muse, but I recognize it when it steps in. And, and then there's other times when, say, uh, I feel anger rising within me. And, I, and that always feels separate to me than, say, my main mish, mish, niche or this, the muse energy that comes through in the creative stuff. And in my interactions with you, I have started to, and I of course believe we're multidimensional. So this is this is the core of everything, anyway. Uh, I've started to see these 
and then I'm Jungian. So I started to see all this in just another way that is almost like, uh, it's like the shards of the dark crystal, right? It all, it's all, it all pieces together eventually to this greater whole. And, um, and through all these conversations on Nox Mente and elsewhere, it, it just is becoming more apparent to me. And so then you come into my plane and you are just out there with this and, uh, and you've rewritten the way in which I started seeing possession, which is my biggest thing, Adam, as you know, right now. And uh, so I knew going into this Nox Mente, which I'm so glad it's not on your birthday, is that it was planned that this was going to be extra special because you and I have gotten closer, uh, close since then, close, I feel close to you. Uh, so with all this kind of setup, where are where's the fear factor in or so we're back still back in developing you, developing years uh to build this foundation. Where is the fear factor there? Did you early on in your life, like some kids have fear of the thing under the bed or the dark? What were what were things that were affecting you on a level that caused those types of chemical reactions? Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I know. Uh, I, I never really experienced, uh, like, I never really had, like, I was never afraid of the dark or, uh, or afraid of like heights or, or any stuff like that. Um, but I, I did grow up where I had an extended family where there was a lot of drinking and a lot of anger. Um, so if anything, I think I had fear over uh, physical violence um, because that was a common, it was a very common thread. Um, I have often told people that I learned how to be a decent man by watching my uncles and doing the exact opposite of them. Um, and that's not to say that that they didn't have good qualities and there weren't good aspects of them. There, there most certainly were. Um, but I'm lucky, blessed, and grateful to have had a mother that taught me at a very early age, like around four, that you love the people who are your family because they're your family, but nothing in life requires you to like the person that they are. And that when their behavior is bad, it's okay to say, hmm, that sucks. So I think for me, I, I think there was definitely, there's definitely that um, on an on a at-home um, daily basis. Um, there, was, there was constantly in kind of this threat of physical violence um, from from not immediate family, but from extended family. And they were a really big part of our lives uh, because of my mother's disability. So, um, so they were around a lot. And, um, and also just as a not, not uh, uh, things not connected to uh, my immediate family also were things that I experienced outside and away from, uh, away from our home. And, um, 
I'm a, a satanic ritual abuse survivor. So uh, there was also this other aspect um, of my life taking place where um, <laughs> I was horribly abused um, along with other children in, uh, in the town that I live in by a, uh, a family coven here, uh, a satanic coven, obviously. So, um, so there was that. But as far as things that go bump in the night, um, supernatural stuff has never really frightened me. Um, but to tell you the truth, I think it's just because um, real world things were far more frightening than supernatural things. Yeah, isn't that a deeper truth too? Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely something I can always try to get back to is that when we when we get too far in the woo, I like to dial it back to real world, and of course, air quotes, real world examples of stuff. Uh, okay, so with all this and in this early period, what was your dream world like? How were you experiencing that scape? Oh wow! I when I was younger, um. don't really recall uh, I don't really recall dreaming like when I was really little um I don't I don't think I really started clearly dreaming probably until about the age of five I mean I know I dreamt dreamt before that but I don't I never I never really remembered them to me I think at that age, at those ages, it's kind of like it is to me now. I mean, I often now as even as, you know, as a, as a younger person and as a teenager and, and as an adult, I frequently will have that moment when I'm, I'm asleep and I'm dreaming. I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I'm dreaming again. Um, and it's not, I don't mean that necessarily as a bad thing. Like, oh, that's, that's terrible. Um, but uh, you know, to you, you have that uh, that awareness, just that 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 awareness that you're you're asleep, and um, and sometimes I've experienced that where I've experienced that where I'm I'm completely conscious in the dreaming world, um, but for me it's 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 a lot less like let me take control of it and more like um, let's see where all of this is going. So I, I think I've had that level of exploration. Um, on a dream level, uh, just as a as a younger person and as an adult, but but really as a young young kid, I think really for me my dreams were a lot just um, like escaping into literature or television, you know. Um, yeah. Did you so with that? Did you and just to kind of knock out this early stuff? Did you with literature and television stuff? Did you enjoy, were there cartoons and movies and stuff um, like that? I think D&D, &D, right? Well, D&D &D when I was older, when I was yeah, a teenager. when person. it came but, on the uh, scene, yeah. But, uh, but honestly, uh, my, mom, my mom really, really believed in um, knowledge, and she really believed that reading was good for you, and uh, she believed that diversity in music was good for you. So we grew up with, uh, you know, classical music and classical country and Western and pop and rock, the rock and roll of her era and all of that stuff. And I had older cousins, so the same with music of their era. And, um, but reading is something that I've, I've always loved. 
Um, I was, I, I probably was reading and sneaking books like uh, in my bedroom with the flashlight, probably as early as four. <laughs> so um, I am, my favorite book was, uh, for a long time, my favorite book was David Copperfield. I think I read it the first time when I was five. And then I discovered uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes. And so I spent, I spent a lovely amount of time uh, reading. I read a lot of classics. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't read, I, I never read a science fiction or fantasy book until I was a teenager. My first one was a Robert Heinlein book called Glory Road, and it's more sci-fantasy and really dated. Like, it, it, it would be considered a bad book nowadays because the way it's put forth is very dated. Um, but I, I didn't read, like, uh, you know, my first uh, fantasy, science fiction-esque type novel or book until I was 16. So other than that, the only thing I like comic books, I read a lot of comic books. It was comic. This but, makes uh, a lot of sense though, Adam, because you're so intelligent and but which I, is, but you what? I was going to say like uh, comic books for me were like a weird treat um, because like I didn't really, because like I said, I reached this age where, where the presenter, the one of us that's out in, in this world all the time, had to forget about all the rest of us. And so it was really funny that like um, my, my, my favorite, some of my favorite superheroes, um, really it's not about like their powers or anything like that. It's about like for me, for instance, Superman. Superman has like three different people. I totally rocked with that as a kid because he's like, he's like Superman, which is, is this, this guy that runs around saving the world. And he's this, this, this Kansas farm boy named Clark. And, and also he's, he's Kal-El, who's this, the, the, you know, the, the last son of a dead planet. So they're like really three different people and, and comic books for me at that time. Um, you know, that was a very complex thing. Um, and I think really just reading comic books is what spurred me on to start reading even more and more stuff. So you, you, as always, you bring up such an important point here. And, and I, I say it a lot where I've lived a million lives within this one, mm -hmm. you know, and this really just illustrates that you can be a lot of different people just right now, you know, I, with the titles you've got with being uh, a person at work, whatever that title is, and the person off and the person that plays with this group of friends. And then oftentimes <clears throat> you're a different person with other people. Right. And people forget and gloss over the fact that these are all different parts. Like work me is nothing like casual me. Same with yes. you, I suspect, right? Yes, like absolutely. that person, that person that goes to work and works nine to five or works whatever your shift is at your job, you know, how you are with people at work on some level is always going to be slightly disingenuous unless you're actually friends with them. Because your friends at work are not the friends you have outside and away from work. And I think as human beings, we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives to some degree because I believe that that just makes it more manageable for us. It's like, you don't have to worry about what Bob and Fred were discussing in the meeting until tomorrow morning. So work guy gets shut off at five when you walk out the door. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so. such a, it's a big, it's a big thing 
when, but what I'm saying here too is how, this is common. This is mostly how people navigate the landscape. And so, and they, they somehow shut down the idea that this is all, these are all components to the, the them, you know, the they that is the bigger they that's functioning. Oh and, yeah. And, and yet, you know, it's like they would never think that these are actually, you know, developed pieces of themselves that make that all function. And this is where, where you redefined how I'm viewing myself now. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so funny and it's, it's out there. I kind of feel like human beings, we get programmed our entire lives to think a certain way and see a certain way. And we, I think, get taught by all the constant programming that we're bombarded with. We get taught to discount ourselves, to discount mm -hmm. our intuition, mm -hmm. to, um, to automatically assume if we're experiencing a new part of ourselves, that must be something bad. I must go get a pill. I must go to the doctor, you know. And I'm not saying that those are not valid concerns because they should be. But when there's no mental illness, when there's no wackadoo craziness um the reality is i think i think human beings i think we experience different parts of ourselves all the time we're just so very very taught to have a rigid sense of self to have this sense of self that has to fit into a box and has to have these labels and and has to has to be and exist only in this certain way um and i think i was my uh, having to embrace my multiplicity in order to be able to heal really changed for me, um, how I viewed other people and how I viewed the world, I, I, I finally came to a place. And, and it's not always the case because I have bad days like everyone else. I have days where, where uh, my short-tempered self is the person that everyone has to deal with. And I'm sorry for that, but, you know, it happens. Same way it happens with them, you know. But, uh, but for me, it I really did change how I saw other people because it really changed how I saw other people's behavior because I started to see underneath the behavior and I started to see things like this particular behavior is coming from this lack. It's coming from this wounded place in the spirit, you know, and, and it's, and it is, you can't be an asshole to people when you can see the harm that you do literally. Absolutely. And I think it, it, I, I finally came to a place where I just said, you know what, this is just a part of who I am, who we are. And however, I'm choosing to define that, I'm defining it in a way that brings me peace and brings me harmony and brings me joy. So, so I allow it to inform me um, about people and where they're at and, and kind of what's going on with them. So it, it has made me able to be understanding of behaviors when the behavior is not what's really happening in the situation it's one of the goals that that jung talks about and uh in the conversations with the soul and like this greater idea in uh in gnosis magic especially is changing consciousness at will so mm -hmm. you know really this is in the end, this is what that represents. It's about being conscious. Versus of magic, I like. 
Absolutely. And it's, a, and it's about allowing these different aspects of self to inter, come out and interact and do what they do. And well, I, sorry. No, no, carry on. I, I was just going to say, well, I think it's important uh, for that to happen because I think it's important that those other parts of self are recognized so that they can feel validated. It's like, I don't need anyone else's validation, but I don't need anyone else's validation because we are perfectly capable of being valid on our own, but it took a lot of time for us to learn that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And um, and so I think it's important when you're experiencing those other part of yourselves to to know that that voice needs to be heard as much as your voice does and to know that that's still potentially a part of you. And there are ways to evaluate that. Well, how does this play out? And so let's move into, into the general dream territory as you experience it, you know, as you've experienced it moving forward and into the nowness. So since you already have a deep sense of selves with the, you know, with the big S here, uh, so you know their voices and you don't have to do all that work that a lot of people spend their whole lifetime trying to understand, oh, this is, this is aspects of my sensate or this is aspects of my feeling and then naming them because that's, the, that's part of a Jungian analysis situation. I, which, is funny, which is funny about that because in, in my system, in order to be real, you have to have it. Yeah, I yeah. know, and it's <laughs> and it's embedded in the Jungian paradigm. It's 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 so, and it's a magical thing. People, it changes people's lives when they do it. When they name their shadow, and if the shadow has, uh, you know, aspects well, I, of itself under it. And I think, as a therapist, one of the things I see people struggle with the most is accepting that they that they have a shadow, that there is a shadow that they need to embrace it because here's, here's a truth. And, and it's just a plain and simple one. And it's that the shadow part of you is what carried you through every shitty thing you ever have gone through and you need to embrace it and you need to accept it for what it is because that was your strength in the dark. So you have to really acknowledge that. And in order to move beyond the negative effect of it and experience the benefit, you have to embrace it as part of yourself. Absolutely. It's major work. And it's really at the ground level, I think. Uh, so, so walk us through what your, your normal dreamscape is now with all this and how, so, and, and specifically, do you get, so what's the dreamscape look like, the architecture of it, you know, sensate, all that. And then also when you, are you able to, uh, I know you get lucid and all that. So what's your experience with uh, separation from your physical avatar uh, through high lucidity, like astral projection and all that? Oh. Because uh, um, <laughs> hmm. I know hmm. having all the deaths. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm not sure how to, like, uh, Astral projection. I'm not sure if I really, if I, I do believe in it. I'm, I'm not sure that, that I've ever actually experienced it exactly. Um, I've often thought that maybe what I'm experiencing is a form of remote viewing or a form of bilocation. 
at least on an energetic level. Uh, That's because, the word I wanted to use, Adam. Because like, like for instance, I've done, I've done path work and energy work and healing work with Jerry, and I've done it from here in my house and been uh, manifest vibrationally in his house. And he's been able to like go, whoa, no, dude, I can actually feel that. And having me not told him that I'm checking in on you, man, you know, so. It happens often. Yeah, well, I check on you often because I have this weird thing. I, I am so hyper protective of people I care about. I cannot not check on them to make sure that, that if, there's, if there's anything in their energetic field that where there's a lack and I can provide a support. You're doing I don't it right force now. Anything on anyone. I just I make <laughs> it available to them in their energetic field. And so that when their higher self becomes aware that there is support or there's a vibration of healing present for them, that they can just they can just take that up because it's there. Mm -hmm. And I do that a lot with the people that I'm close to. And and the truth is, I, I kind of in a very general way, I'm sort of I love pretty much everybody. And and I mean you know, in that general way. But like my, my actual circle of close friends is very small. And it's not because I'm opposed to people, but it's because I, you know, Jerry said it really well. Um, he said to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were, I was talking about a project that I'm working on. Um, and he said to me, he said, you know, because I, I had told him I, I, this project had, was becoming more collaborative. And he said, well, that's because you don't do anything when you're not in a group. And it made me laugh because I'm like, okay, I'm the multiple. And I just that's had to hilarious. have that pointed out to me. What the hell? <laughs> but, but it's really, really accurate. And I think so like I, I keep my circle of friends. There's a, a, like a core group of friends that are friends. And then there's, there are other friends that are like ooh, a step uh, further away than they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I do when it comes to people that I feel genuine close to, because to be honest, it, it happens rarely. It's, it's, it's rare that I, I genuinely click with somebody on a level that feels natural to me that is not about me changing shape in order to fit the situation, because I do that all the time. Um, you know, when you can be five different people crossing a room, when you're in a crowd of people, that's a helpful skill. And every actor, Every businessman, every professional probably has that skill to some degree. You don't oh, even yeah. need to be it's... a multiple. You know, you just, because it's that thing where you're interacting with this group of people and you need to be whatever it is they need you to be at that moment. So you yes. shift and change who you are. And it's like, I really just believe that I'm a lot more cognizant of that process. And for me, there are extra people involved in that process because of the multiplicity. So I don't really think it's all that, you know, I don't think it's all super mystical or anything. I think everybody does it. Um, uh, right. That's what I was saying earlier. And except for the fact that you're, you have kind of, uh, people had to, to master it. People have had to, you know, work at it and somehow you, you came in already at this level. And so that's what I was acknowledging. I think that, I mean, I've seen it in all the princes literature where, you know, you're teaching young princesses and young ruler this and it's in it's in all the stuff with NLP and mirroring of how one needs to navigate the terrain in different ways to to be uh, 
to, to get a different, to get a higher sense of lucidity in it in order to, to be the one in the room that's actually orchestrating some real movement, orchestrating a real sense of lucidity. I don't know how else to put that because sometimes that can sound ugly and controlling and I, I don't want to go there because I think it's a masterful. I don't think it's necessarily about controlling because it isn't. No, not with you, Adam, but you know what I'm talking about. I do. And, and what I think is when you, when you're coming at it from, <clears throat> from a healthy place, it's, it's not control over what is outside of you. It's control of what is within you. It's, it's, it's stepping up and taking the reins and it's riding the current of the terrain you're in and it's using the terrain to your advantage and there that's not manipulative by the way that's just survival and when you're doing <clears throat> doing that pardon me <clears throat> doing that from a, a healed and positive place you're not you're not damaging the spiritual terrain you're not bringing harm to anyone else you're moving through that situation to the best of your capability. And when that's always coming from a positive place, it's not going to create a negative vibration. You don't get negative from and, and this is so. where frequency really breaks. Absolutely. One, one can feel it. And yeah. it, just as you were talking about with the Jerry example earlier, and I've certainly had this with you. Uh, I mean, it, uh, you had me zinging that time we spent hours talking <laughs> I, uh, you know, and, and Suzanne, Suzanne is, is one of my, my dear friends and, um, she and I have had so many of those revelatory conversations where things just cross back and forth and back and forth between us, where, where we're both getting like, like struck by those inspiration particles and having those really deeply profound moments. And so I'm, I have to say that like I've experienced those moments with Jerry and I've experienced those moments with you as well. So I'm, I'm glad that, that that happens for you. And I'm even more glad that that still happens for me because it just proves to me that, that there's, you know, I'm still growing and I'm happy for that. You know, I kind of, I said to Suzanne earlier today, I'm, I'm one of those people that really believes that um, if you wake up one morning and you don't have a single challenge or a single single bit of adversity or a single anything that makes you feel in any way impeded, then you might have done something wrong because in order for you to grow, you should always be challenged somewhere in your life. And so um, <clears throat> I think it's important. And I think when you're, but when you're moving through all those situations and you're moving from a positive place, you don't, you don't create a negative vibration. Uh, because what you're, what you're putting out is positive. And I like, I always like to tell people that, uh, that human beings are not magnets. And when it comes to manifestation, um, opposites do not attract. And so if you're trying to manifest something positive into your life, you need to remember that it's birds of a feather, um, go together because when you're focused on the positive, it's the positive vibration that you're attracting. when you're too focused on whatever's negative in your life. And that's, that's the thing that you're repelling. I've often thought that the reason they teach grade school kids about magnets is so that they get the wrong idea about attraction right away so they can nip that manifestation in the bud. You know? Yeah, that's, and that's significant. Well, we know that that's, all, you know, the indoctrination and this kind of inverse uh, through the mirror kind of experience that a lot of us 
see and recognize that makes a lot of sense, Adam. Well, when you think about it too, because, okay, look at how many young people, you know, get into the wrong situation or the wrong, wrong situation or <clears throat> uh, wrong relationship because they have this misconception that opposites are, are, are you know, opposites attract, you know, and that happens with situations and people. So I what think, is, I, go I, ahead. I feel like I'm sidetracking here, but I, I get a sense when I speak to you and it's funny, this just popped up and I'm so sorry. I feel like- No, no, organic conversation is the best kind. Is there a difference? What is the difference here in reality, the way from your perspective and where you stand and what is, what is the nature of this shared experience that we're having? And because we start talking about opposites and uh, this whole idea of duality, first of all, and then secondly, the, the attraction factor and like that, you know, I, I think of law of attraction, but then when I think of opposites, sometimes I think, you know, one fills in what the other does not have. And then well, there's, that's, you know, but all I, that I don't stuff. think that's opposites. I think that's, that's where you have compliments, not opposition. Because when one mm. thing fills a lack in the other and those things make each other thing whole, that's complementary, not oppositional. Like in a very, very good distinction there. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a thing, but I hear it as an argument. So I was wondering, how does that part? So how, how do you, at this point in your life, where you are uh, seated, where what is the nature of reality as you see it? And how does, what is the dream aspect, which is, I think, collectively agreed on is a shift of consciousness for most people because they're here, then they're not, right? And yeah. uh, so what is what is this? What's going on with this awake state and this idea of dreaming? Could you repeat that? What's the nature of this reality from where you stand? So uh, is, is there a difference between dreaming and reality? Is it all the same thing? Are these just shifts in consciousness? Because I know that when I wake up within the dream, the dreamer loves the dream, the dreamer feeds the dream, all that stuff, uh, it feels hyper real. And, and within that space, I don't have, I can plug into a niche persona, but like when I hit reflections or reflective surfaces, I can be there, you know, I've seen all kinds of things in reflective services, surfaces I, uh, that could be me. You know, I'm like, I, I have to actually make movements sometimes to make sure what I'm seeing is me. Yeah. So I'm questioning reality in general. Where are you seated? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I don't think dreams are uh, necessarily uh, other dimensions, but I do believe that dreaming happens um, in a dimensional state all its own that is connected to other, other, all other states of existence. So I think when you're in a dream space, um, I think that's, that's the place where you're uh, consciousness 
um, is at the hub of all lives that you have. So I think, uh, cause I, I've a lot of, I've heard a lot of people tell me, um, tell me in my office, uh, you know, when they're talking about their dream life, how they, they dreamt they had this other life. And, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's, it's there, they're having this other life that, that is different from the one they have, or, or I've, I've had people tell me where they've dreamt, um, oh, I just dreamt about this, this, you know, this uh, evening I had with my family, but we didn't have a dog. And uh, because my kids are allergic to dogs, but that's not the case. You know, and sometimes those things are like mental house cleaning. And sometimes those, those are the remembrances of, of uh, another, another piece of self that you've gone to visit that's existing at a different vibrational frequency than you, you know? So, so sometimes you're uh, popping into your other selves to check things out. Sometimes you're not. And sometimes I think you're just exploring stuff. Um, because I've had, I've had also myself, I've had dreams that are both ways. And as far as reality, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I, could, I, I, I can entertain a lot of different thoughts about it. Um, I can entertain the fact that it, it could be a simulation. Of course, when I do that, I have to say to myself, well, if it's a simulation, um, are we human beings trapped in the simulation or are we AI waiting to emerge and finally discover self-understanding through the singularity? Because, hey, either one of those things could be happening. So I think when it comes to reality itself i think i just try and take everything one day at a time there is definitely this huge uh spiritual component for me um i believe that it's important to uh to work through your stuff to do your path work you know um so i think i think and then i think as far as the reality that we accept as 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 solid um I think honestly that that there are aspects of our ra reality that we all unconsciously on a, a soul level agree should be like like for instance um the way time is in general experienced by everyone is pretty much the same in this place plane and time in this particular reality but on an individual level you might experience time that moves very fast or moves very slow so, and I think that's where you're experiencing a portion of your own reality instead of the shared reality we have, because like there's, there's your reality and there's my reality. And then there's this reality around us that we share. So it's like, if the, if, if we're the pieces on the board, the shared reality is the chessboard and we're the players, we're the pieces, I guess is, is how I kind of see it. I don't necessarily yeah. see it as a game though. Um, and if it is a game, I have to tell you, um, I want better armor and weapons. This shit ain't doing it. <laughs> um, yes. Hey, I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to interject here, going back to the astral projection question. What we as SID people uh, experience as astral projection may be a completely different experience for Adam. Uh, you know, that's true. Well, and that's what I wanted, I that differentiation that. Uh, from Adam's perspective. Like, that's where, so, and Adam brought in, Adam, you brought in the key word for me, which was where it was all going to go, by location. I think I by locate and not astral project, because honestly, like, there's this part of me that always constantly has to be present here in my home. Um, because I take care of my, I take care of my mom, 
So, uh, so like there's always, I'm always kind of centered and focused here. So, uh, I think when I'm reaching out to other places and I need to need to, I don't know really how to put this. So so like when I need to send more than just my awareness, um, because awareness is not necessarily the all of you that can, that can commit an action energetically. You know, that's just, uh, for me, awareness are just the senses that I'm extending. So like to me, like remote viewing is just extending your awareness. And I'm like, so I think uh, for me, I think it really, I do experience it more like by location because I'm, I'm conscious of both places to some extent. I mean, at least like on an energetic level, definitely for, uh, cause I, like I said, I've, I've, I've worked with Jerry a few times and, and with Suzanne a couple, couple few times. So there are things that I've picked up energetically that you couldn't really know without being in the environment. That, but but I'm not getting like visuals or anything. It's just an interpretation of the energy that's coming through. But it has that dual awareness. I watch TV around the corner all the time, if that means anything. <laughs> that's awesome. What about, okay, so I want to I get into, and this, this is a note I had with you. I have so many. There's just never going to be enough. But there is something unveiling, and I'll, I'm going to let you unveil that later. But and maybe not on the show, but we're gonna. There's lots more Adam to come. Uh, so you've died outside of the womb. The womb stuff is just amazing, unbelievable. Like it's just it's it's. I don't mean an unbelievable and not and fanciful. Like just the imagery of that alone is so uh, provocative and intense and shamanic. So with, with all that, the death <laughs> with the S that you've experienced since then, what were your, what's, what's been your experience with that? And I know you also work, you're close to death. You work with that energy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, plus, plus like professionally too, because, um, because That's I have what worked I'm saying, in, yeah, yeah. I've, I've worked in oncology and I, and I work um, in geriatrics. So, um, I don't know, you know, death, I'll tell you what, um, death, death is so absolutely necessary for everything in life to continue to happen the way it happens and for it to be perpetuated. And as horrible as it might sound to some people, um, cause I'm sure to some people, the idea of death is so utterly terrifying that they, you know, uh, I mean, cause it, cause it is, it's a scary concept. It really is terrifying when you think about it, but you can overthink it. And um, for myself, uh, the first death experience that I had, um, I was seven and I drowned. Um, the drowning part wasn't too fun, but it wasn't too terrible either. I don't know. Um, it hurt. But, but the death part of it was, look, for me, there was, there was no bright light to follow. There was none of that. Um, for me, there was an ocean of darkness and sound there was just this this intense uh quickening vibration and i had just a a, a ridiculously unshakable sense of self that was was just rock solid and i i felt peace and joy 
there was contentedness. There wasn't any, you know, I didn't have any of those, oh, like I, I went to hell or I went to heaven uh, moments because uh, I think honestly, the, the my first near-death experience um, happened to me at, at, an, at an age where my concept of those things were too abstract to be experienced on a, on a, on a soul level. They weren't part of your belief system at that time. Yeah, and they're, and they're still not a part of my belief system now. Um, I don't believe in anthropomorphic deity because of what I experienced before my birth and in, in every, uh, uh, every death experience that I've had since then, which I've had a, a couple. Um, and I, that's the reason I don't believe in anthropomorphic deity. But I don't believe in anthropomorphic deity because, well, because we string everything together. All of us, every, everything in creation, it's all connected. It isn't all one thing, though. It's connected, but it's not all one thing. You know? Do you, so let's talk about water for a minute. When I love water. <laughs> yeah, water is fascinating to me. And, and it's very closely it's one of those big archetypes that i'm i feel really uh you know some people's the forest some it's just different some people's the city the big the big archetypes for me it's water and some people's fire but it's it's one of those things where do you have so when you close your eyes or not even just what are the what's what do you first think of when you think water and especially deep water uh knowledge connection life and paradox and what was your relationship with water before your seven-year-old drowning um <clears throat> wow okay uh i um i didn't get to come home from the hospital until i was uh almost 18 months um i spent the first few you know back then back in 1968 they did they had not good neonatal care so i spent i spent the first (laughs) few months basically baking in the incubator and they were hoping i would finish um (laughs) so uh so i didn't get to come home until like from the hospitals themselves um because i had a lot of i had a lot of lung issues and a lot of breathing issues um, so I, I actually was in the hospital for like, off and on for the first year. And like, I, I didn't really come home, home, um, to the family, uh, until I was almost 18 months old. And, um, and when I came home, my, uh, my, my great grandmother on my, my, uh, father's side of the family, um, she was from Ireland and, um, <laughs> she used to knit bright red booties for all the boy kids in our family. It's a family tradition. I think there's, it's a pagan thing too, but I don't remember exactly what it means. Um, but on our way home from the hospital, she pulled into a mountain stream and dedicated me to the elements in an ice cold, a good ice cold bath and brought me home. Real story. Like, I don't remember that, of course. But um, I've, I've honestly, I've always had a fondness for water. Um, even, even after drowning. Um, I, I was never afraid to never afraid to swim or or go back in the lake or none of that stuff. Did you have do you have any weird and I say weird with the why because I own it. Uh, do you have any weird imagery around water in your dream life? Um, 
like things in it you know, or portals I, beasts no water uh, yeah portals i was just gonna say water is water well mirrors reflections uh things like that those those surfaces are windows and portals and, and water is one of them but water water is uh water is the connective tissue of all life um it's like your blood which is is connective tissue in case you didn't know the blood running through your veins is actually connected um and uh, you know water is is paradoxical also because you know life itself is a paradox and water is the water is the thing that drives it so um and, and as far as my dream world goes, uh, water is portals. And there, there's always weird, there's always weird water somewhere in a dream. I, I've had dreams where for no apparent reason, there's a waterfall in the living room of a house um, just because there's water. Um, so, yeah. I mean, for me, yeah. it's, it's a lot. And, and to be honest, like, I think it's, it's also, it's my, it's my birth sign because I'm a Scorpio. And so that's the fiery part of water. Oh, yeah. The um, deep, dark. It's, yeah, because it's, it's a part of water that deals with uh, life, death, rebirth, regeneration, and, uh, you know, transformation. So mm -hmm. it's, it's that fiery part of water, which is the trigger for life. So, yeah. And, um, and, and I, I don't know if that's like a classically Scorpio thing, but I've always had a fascination with water, and I've always had a fascination with, with death and dying. So. Yeah, well, and then Scorpio's one of those very magical signs that has a transmutation into the eagle, and we see that in the gates of the Avatar, and uh, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. It's a fixed, it's the fixed water sign, and so, but it has that that transmutation that is a very, very potent thing. Uh, okay, so. I guess, you know, there was some stuff I wanted to get out of the way, too. Were you brought up with religion? Um, yeah, but not, not strictly. Uh, my mom's take on religion was this. There's Sunday school. Um, if you guys want to go, I'll take you. And, and it was kind of like that. I think the last time I went to a church was, was probably when I was seven years old. Okay. That's cool. a, that's a, seven was a big year, a big year for me. I, I drowned when I was seven. Yeah. Uh, my, my great grandmother, uh, she and I, she and I had the same birthday, um, on that oh. same day in the same week. Okay. And she died the week of her, my seventh birthday, which is the week of her 107th birthday. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, and I, th and I drowned, um, I drowned in, in, uh, in December of that year. And then you'd said at eight, the DID stuff became apparent. Yeah. I mean, it, it was always there, but like it, it started to become more noticeable to, to people around me that we weren't, there was a difference in consistency because, you know, um, not, not always the same kid as it were, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. Plus, plus I got to tell you from a child's perspective, um, at least when your body is a child, but the voice speaking out of you and the energy coming out of you belongs to an adult. That is terrifying <laughs> for adults, by the way. Yes, you that was know, a... that is absolutely terrifying for adults to experience. I was one of those kids, and that, yeah, you know, they yeah. were, the adults were absolutely and didn't out it just it me. makes their skin crawl too, doesn't yeah. it? It's like oh, there were so many that didn't yeah. want anything to do with me. I have no relationship with well, then none with some of my relatives because of it. Same here. And did you okay? And so when you were in 
invited to go to church was it what denomination was it what kind oh hey you guys are gonna love oh ooh. <laughs> southern baptist hellfire and brimstone hey, baby yes but <laughs> yes. but also tit revivals tongues and and <laughs> healing in church so i love um, that spiritualist stuff it's juicy but, like i had the coolest the, my coolest church memory really from when i was a kid is uh we had a pastor who was a young pastor and it was the first time we had gone to a church with a young pastor and i say young because i like you know when you're a kid but but young as he didn't have gray hair yet so and actually i think it was in his mid-20s <laughs> but he worked his it. he worked his way through bible college as a stage magician and so when he would teach bible lessons to family church he would illustrate with a magic trick and i thought that was the coolest shit in the world that and also also honest. too at the same time <laughs> at the same time I, I i kind of i was like i think i think to me too at that age because i was i i had all this other stuff going on in my life then and and like so i was exposed to like actually supernatural stuff on on a pretty regular basis at that time and so i think in my mind it helped normalize my understanding of those things and it didn't it didn't hurt that i came from a family uh where you know my grandmother used to read playing cards um you know so uh, my mom's mom used to read playing cards yeah oh yeah that's old um, school she read my mm -hmm. when she uh when she read my mom's cards i think she read my mom's cards when she was 15 mm. and um uh, I, I've heard my mom and my aunties tell this story, and I, I've never really asked my mom about it. Maybe I should. Um, but I've heard them tell this story about grandma uh, reading cards for people in the family and for other people. And um, the last time she read the cards was when she read the cards for my mom when she was 15. And she never, never told them what she saw. She just picked them up off the table and put them away and never did another reading for anyone again. And I have always thought that what she saw was my mother's accident, was my mom's shooting. And I think that was a little too much for her. Oh my. So. Yeah. You know I, my what? mom, my mom has dreamt. My mom started dreaming about the accident that put her in a wheelchair when she was um, like six happened when she was 17. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's the checkpoint, you know, it's one of those major checkpoints. It, it's definitely, it's definitely stuff, Adam, to talk about while she's still with you. Oh and yeah, definitely. there's so much. This is where in the week, like I think it was a couple days ago when my momo died, I think over 20 years ago or something. And there were so many questions. Oh. Okay, so and also I wanted to knock out was is there any military affiliation in your life with relatives? Uh yeah, my grandfather. Uh my grandfather's in the military for 30 years. Uh, when he first joined the military, it was uh, still the Army Air Corps. He did, he did uh, 10 years, got out, and um, met my grandmother, my mom's mom. Um, they got married, and um, uh, two years after they got married, he went back into the military, the Air Force, and served uh, 20 years and retired, retired here in the town where we live. Oh, nice. What was your relationship with him? Um... difficult mm. he okay. he was he was an abusive drunk oh, oh so terrible. so difficult my my relationship with him was difficult okay and uh so 
that's all that. What do you do now with, uh, so in the dream, in the dreaming paradigm, are you one of those people that is able to differentiate? Do you dream true? Let me put it in those terms. Yeah. Do you dream true, precog stuff? Can you give us an example of that? Um, uh, I have a friend, uh, had a friend. Um, I'm just, I'm going to use a, tra- I'm, I'm going to use a, a tragic example because, because they tend to stick out. Um, I do little stuff all the time, like, you know, little stuff. But, um, when I was in, uh, when I was in junior high school, um, one of my good friends, uh, they, we were getting close to the, close to the end of the school year. And, um, he had been really, really excited because his family that they were going to go on this really amazing family vacation, and um, and I had 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 a dream um, that he uh, that he died, and I all I could remember was is that uh, is that I, I saw smoke and tires, and I just had this sense. And seriously, I mean, it was just smoke and tires. And, uh, and and like the smell of uh, of uh, burning burning electrical wires that, that you know that smell you ever smell anything electrical burning? Oh yeah, it's and, uh, and there was that smell, and um, and I I had that dream and I had it a couple of times and um, I remember talking to uh, Adam. Okay, there you are. I'm my headset just went absolutely crazy. <laughs> we were talking Elect- about dreaming true, of course. Electronics and- don't like me. <laughs> this <laughs> happened when you and I were talking a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Who, was- who doesn't want you talking about this? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um but I but I had dreamt about and that's and that's all it was. That's that's really all the imagery and and all the all the sensation I had with it. And I, that was about a, a month or so before they were supposed to go, and I had it a couple of times, and um, and then there we had we had kind of this end of the year get together, and it was uh, myself and uh, my friend Jeff, who was the boy who pa- who who passed away, and um, and a couple of our other friends, and um, we basically, I mean, we're country kids, we we went catfishing, and you know because it was a good time of year to go. There were a couple of good places that are that are real good that time of year for the cold, and um. And I had not, you know, I hadn't really like discussed it so much with anybody because, and I wasn't really sure at that time. Like, you know, I just it was a bad dream and it left me with a bad feeling. And um, and I don't think I realized exactly who necessarily that dream was about, um, until that day we were all at fishing. And uh, we were all out fishing, and uh, uh, Jeff slipped and uh, slipped on some rocks and fell in, got soaking wet. We had to drag him out of the river. And, um, and when he put his arm around my shoulder and I had a hold of him, um, I, I had a flash of that. Uh, I, I just like that, that whole dream replayed for me. And I could smell like, I could smell burning electrical wires coming off of him. And then I realized I knew 
that that was, but I didn't really know what to do with that information at the time. And, um, and three days later, uh, he was killed in a car accident. Um, they were hit head on by a drunk driver. Um, everyone else in the vehicle survived. He was thrown free from the vehicle and was actually killed by a tire that came off the vehicle and struck him in the head. Wow. Yeah. I have a couple questions with this. So, Me too. <laughs> so first off, with, oh <laughs> when you had the, uh, well, because I ha there's a similarity I have going here. When, so when you were having that experience, what it, you made it sound like a deja vu when you realized this was the dream. Was there a deja vu factor within this as it played out? Um, when we were helping him out of the river, that's where I'm speaking. Yeah, of. I, I think it was, I think it was the physical contact and the fact that we were soaking wet and freezing because water is a great conductor uh, for emotional energy. And emotional energy surrounds events all the time. And most people, you know, we're, we're just, um, you know, unaware of it most of the time. Um, and I think, it, I think that was, that was like the trigger for me uh, that brought it into focus. I think I probably knew and understood what was going on on an unconscious level. Um, but I think that moment, um, taking him out of the river and, and all of us trying to, trying to get back up the riverbank into the, to the vehicle, there was something about all of that that sort of brought it all uh, full circle energetically. And it was that, that those images came to my mind again. I saw them again as we were, as we were climbing out of the water. And then, and, and for the rest of that day, for the rest of that day, every time I got within three feet of him, he just smelled like burning electrical wires. And I just honestly didn't know what to do with that information. And it was, it was my intuition telling me what was happening, what was going to happen. And I have learned over the years that while we think of things, um, we think we tend to think of things and events as being really fluid, but, but honestly, I have to tell you, there are things that are possibilities, probabilities, and certainties, and things go from one thing to another. Sometimes that which is only possible becomes a certainty. And mm -hmm. when it becomes a certainty, there's a moment in time that becomes energetically locked. Mm. And unless there's, mm -hmm. unless there's interference, that moment will happen. I've seen it over and over again with people from being impacted by the energetics of their situation uh, and seeing information and knowledge that I don't necessarily want to see, but I still get downloads uh, because I can't just, I, you know, some people say you, you can't turn that off or that you can turn that off, but, but why would you blind yourself is what I always think. <laughs> no, thanks. I'll, I'll keep it on. Thank you. I call but, those um, checkpoints, Adam. I always have. Yeah, and there, I think that's a great term for them. I may, I may I borrow and use that. Oh, that's a fantastic course. term. Um, what, so I want, I'm also just wanting to include Jerry because I know he actually had questions about this oh, too. Yeah. Um, oh, my question was, have you had any further psychometric type uh, experiences like that um, since then? not not dream connected um but i but i no, have no. but i i do i do frequently get flashes 
uh, from people when I get in, into their auric field. Some people project, some people don't. And um, here's the thing, though. Like, I, uh, at some point, we'll, we'll be able to meet in person. And um, I can be a little standoffish in person, but it's because um, it's not that I don't like physical contact. It's just that a lot of times uh, there's no way to, there's no way to, uh, there are no breakwaters in physical contact with the knowledge that comes. So like when I shake hands with somebody, I'm, I'm always unconsciously just bracing myself because I know I'm going to pick up something that I don't really need to pick up on or I don't really want to pick up. And, uh, and sometimes what I pick on means absolutely freaking nothing to me. And, and I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't really need to know, you know, all the things. Um, but uh, definitely I, I've had flashes like that. And I've had flashes like that upon hearing somebody's voice. Um, because your voice carries your core vibration. So it carries, carries your vibrational and energetic history with it when you speak. That's why in this place, plenty of time, words are power and are tools of manifestation and spell casting and magic. I'm the, yes. I, I am so totally. with that. I, this is one, I mean, I'm an introvert anyway. And then sometimes I get considered, some people consider me snobby because no. I'm standoffish. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is i get uh, this is the problem is i get most of my information from people when they start if, if i'm in a room that's one thing but when i start hearing when i hear them i pick up totally. all this totally. other stuff and yeah. that's where it comes so i'm not one where if i touch them or i touch an article that can that's hit or miss with me but the 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 vibrations coming from them uh, and usually we get the most when they're when people are, when we're in a room with them or like this where they're speaking. Uh, I can be completely overwhelmed, and it's so easy for me to to feel. Uh, well, now I can I can discern what's me and what's not me. But in you know in times past, I I would just be all of a sudden angry and not oh, understand. Oh yeah, there's a learning curve to that. Yeah, well, you know oh, when you get huge. around other people. You get around other people. I mean, we're, we're first and foremost, we're, we're spiritual creatures. We are spiritual creatures that put on the humility of flesh and we are experiencing flesh. It isn't the other way around. And so everything manifests in the spiritual. So all those energetics are there all the mm -hmm. time. And because you're an energetic creature, as you're moving through your day, you're interacting with people. You're interacting with their situation. You're interacting with the energetics of people and their situation. And because your aura is a biomagnetic electrical field, you pick up other people's detritus the same way yes. they pick up yours. <laughs> and, yes. and, and honestly, the quickest way to cleanse your aura is to step under a shower because water forces aura to recede back into your body. And anything that doesn't energetically belong to you just gets washed down the drain, gets purified because that's what water does in that situation. Um, but, but yeah, so it makes sense. Um, that we can be affected by the vibration and tone of other people's emotions and thoughts and situations that we can react to them without being necessarily aware of what they are because we are still energetic beings and we are impacted by their energetics. Like I said, you know, uh, uh, one of the reasons I don't like large crowds of people is by and large, other human beings are terribly unaware of the loudness of their energy. Yeah. And I... I I don't know another way to put that. That some people have very, some people are very expansive with themselves, and some people are not. So, like when you're in a really big crowd of people, think of it this way: you're like 
It's like an energetic hot tub and you are, everyone else's yuck is getting on you. So it's like bath with friends and not in a fun way. And so, you know, you, you, that's why that's, that's why it's important. Like when you're going to deal with people, you're going to interact with them. You should do your level best to be centered and grounded in your own sense of self. And if it helps you root your energy in the earth, um, because that, that gives you stability. And, yeah. and then you don't, yeah. you're not getting blown about and knocked about by other people's stuff. Yeah, I'm 100% if, with that. If you do it the other way, if you anchor your energy into the earth, that's just a, I look at that as parasitism. It depends on in how a way. you do it. Yeah. Well, so you got to understand, um, you know, uh, there, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. And I guess maybe that, that's also perspective is right and wrong. There's, there's a perspective about that. Um, but first of all, you're a child of earth. You're a part of this planet, regardless of whether we originated here as a species. I think that one's up for grabs all the time. Um, but the other reality is, is we're still a part of the organism that we call planet earth. And so it's, it's not parasitic to, to be firm and one with the land that is part of the composition of your body the same way it's not parasitic to uh, to be in tune with the healing nature of water or or with the the uh uh oh, my brain just went blank sorry <laughs> it's you know it's a weird it's a weird situation it's, i i i've lived off grid often at this point more often than not in my life as far as lived away from people rather than in cities and stuff. And I'm in the forest every weekend and all this. And to me, the, you know, and I recharge, but it is also, it's a give and a take. It's a trade is what I've noticed with nature. And one of the things that, uh, that I I've noticed because I'm one of those people that has a wild yard and if I can't live in the woods, I let the woods come to me kind of people. And so that is part of this symbiosis I share with Mama Earth, and, uh, and which is what? A projection of, you know, into the outer world. So I'm not one of those mow the yard to the house and have a cut, you know, shrub here and there. And then all, all of that, that whole mentality. And that's fine that we all have our choices. So I like the wild and I like the wild to be wild and find its own ecosystem. And so I've never felt parasitical to, to nature, but I see others as parasitical to nature. And I see, I see a balancing act. I see nature as an observer. I see nature as taking control when something's out of balance i notice i notice that something comes in and wipes out a bunch of stuff <laughs> you know it's oh, yeah. just what nature does and it's not right or it's not wrong it's just it, it finds a balance and uh and so i try to walk that but i'm i'm, I'm also wondering like we're supposed to exist symbi symbiotically with the environment around us um, so like if your exchange, Gary, with nature is 
beneficial and symbiotic, um, it's 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 a healthy connection and not a negative one. I'm getting I mean, beat up in chat over this. I'll clarify what I meant. Is that I think there are things that are in the energy system of the earth that siphon off people's energy. Oh, like, absolutely. Like the are. corrupted energy grids, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think people who, you know, like try and ground themselves often will ground themselves into those systems and thus get parasited off of. That's kind of what the way I see it. It's with, I, that it, can... with, without intention of where you want your energy to go to the earth. And I think you're open to that. That's all. I think. No, no, I, that's, that's a good assessment. And it's a proper one too. There are definitely areas of the planet where I would never open myself up to the earth because it's carrying such a deep spiritual wound from either the physical mm-hmm. wounding of the land or from the blood spilt by war or from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pollution that, that it would corrupt you to engage in the planet there. Because in that situation, um, you shouldn't be trying to engage the planet symbiotically. You should be extending healing in that situation. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that, so, so, yeah. And I mean, but, but you know, it's, it's not often, I think, probably anybody's having to meet at Chernobyl. So <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, I think we, you, you have a lot more control and a lot more uh, finesse with energy and vibrational energy that belongs to you than someone else who is not you does. So if, if what your energy is seeking out that part of earth, which is healthy, that can literally be reaching out and connecting with the backyard at your house or the potted plants in your home that are healthy yes. because they've been raised yeah, love, yeah. lovingly and caringly. Mm-hmm. Because it's not literally, you don't necessarily literally have to tie into the planet, but it is tying into the element of earth. It's tying into the natural states of growth. Um, so it is very much uh, making that energetic connection and vibratory transition into a state of connected symbiosis with those things on an energetic level and it and while it's true that that you can you can get your energy siphoned off hijacked it's probably not going to happen um like as wildly often as you would think like i wouldn't go to any political convention and ground in anything near the earth there (laughs) okay so or a ufo convention yeah, yeah, or even that. Like, look, if you have to, totally Dracula. Make a baggie of dirt, keep it in your luggage. Um, <laughs> I love no, that. No, see, people, you think that's funny, but but no, I love find a home because I love it. Yeah, find a stone that or a crystal that you you vibrate with. That's a part of the earth, you know. Um, yeah. I used to have this really beautiful salt crystal, and um, and I, I got it. Uh, I got it from some friends, some really wonderful people. They were pagan, and I did a year and a day study with them as kind of a, we were uh, uh, trading our, our traditions, teachings kind of thing. And um, I had this really, really beautiful uh, assault crystal that was given to me for my altar. And it became like, it became my bones of the mother um, mm-hmm. um, thing. Because, and I took that with me when I traveled, I took that with me everywhere just because it was, it, it resonated with me and I resonated with it. And it was really easy just to ground and tie into um, you know, so, I mean, it can be even anything like that. Like I said, I mean, if you have to, man, dragulate, put a scoop of dirt in a pocket and go. Oh, yeah. I know people I, that I, do that with the water, too. Waters of the world and all, like, Starhawk does that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I, I totally vibe with it. And as someone that always has mineral specimens in her bra, uh, nice. you know, that's it, it. I'm vibing with it. Totally. And that, you know, what's funny is that part of the mythology around certain aspects of uh, certain stories, like the vampire stuff, has always vibed with me. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. There's yep. something powerful in it and, uh, and, and with a lot of stuff that is actually really powerful and archetypal, you don't need to dive too deep. In, you, in fact, it probably does a disservice to intellectually enter that realm. Let it be magical. Let it work its way oh. in without words. A lot of people overcomplicate uh, what we think of as magic. Like mm -hmm. because because let's face it, when we talk about magic in the modern world, we're talking a lot more usually. I mean, it depends on the crowd of people you're with. I suspect that the listeners of your show have a deeper understanding of of magic, and so so they're not necessarily thinking, "Ooh, magic." And and what comes to their mind, I'm thinking, is probably not all the trapping. Um, not you know, uh, some of the most effective and powerful magic I've seen ever was magic that was literally performed with with a physical gesture and voice yes yes and absolutely. not any implements or tools because they just weren't handy and the thing needed to be done now yeah the, so, the tools I, are I, like training wheels really yeah yeah absolutely anything that you can do with a mystical tool you can do without yeah. <laughs> well, as said for as a true D and D master, <laughs> crutches are crutches. I tell you, I yes, they are. They are. The, but but they're but they're not necessarily bad crutches because you know, um, it's, tra it's training wheels. It is. It is training wheels. But for, you know, for some people, those tools become important in their practice. I and I don't have anything against them. Like I read tarot and. Um, I haven't. Oh, the tools are wonderful. Because, They're wonderful. Uh, but the tools are great. But I kind of feel like um, when I have taught people, when I've worked with people, um, the, I think the two things I've always really tried to impress upon them is, look, karma is a very real thing. I'm not going to tell you not to do this or not to do that. What I am going to tell you is that if you take the knowledge that I give you and use it for a negative application, please know karma is real. And if you can accept the karma for what it is you think you want to do, by all means, bust a nut, have fun, cast away. But just know you will be paying the piper for that. Um, you know, a, and, but you know what, Adam, on that sense, though, I've always been curious about, about the bigger picture. And I love the omniscient, the omniscient view of, you know, we get this, we get so honed in on, on the nowness, so we're, we're also trying to inhabit the nowness too to seek a bigger reality. But at the same time, we get it's the trap as well. It's this, it's this whole like self simulation, and we get so bogged down in the details of the nowness that we lose sight of how it's connecting outward to everything. So you see in a narrow point view or a single point view something that's atrocious you know i don't know someone throwing kittens in the river you know and and then that you, you know you just detest that person for doing that but then when you step back 
three steps or four steps or and you are actually if you just totally go omniscient with it and you see that the 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 kittens the cats are completely out of control they've just, you know they they've killed this man's whole a whole chicken lot that you know these happy chickens you know when you see a different when you see a bigger picture maybe sometimes it what i'm saying is we see such little glimpses of what are connecting dots to a bigger world and it's hard to be in the position to make judgments based on small fragments do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I noticed that in this, especially in the in the timeline we're in, in, in this paradigm, this reality, this domain, uh, everything is nitpicked to hell, and uh, every little thing is taken out of context. And now, in in this simulator we're creating that we create of our projected outward reality, now we throw in things like deep fake. And, you know, we just deepen the illusion. We deepen uh, the, I, the veil, we thicken the veils or the cowl. And it's hard to know really what's what and make judgments when we're down in the mire. It can be. Yeah. Well, for you, though, this is, <laughs> this is where we started. And it's a good place to start wrapping up, too. You came in with this whole different perspective, which is why you're one of the few people I feel so comfortable calling a shaman, uh, because of your connection to your fractals. This and, I love that term. Yeah, well, it's everything to me. The fractal reality is such a big deal, and that's that's what I'm saying you do you are able and i know this having conversed with you and and feeling you actually feeling you uh that there's this you you're, there's this there's a sense of omniscience with you and it's unique and unusual and uh i i've wanted to get that point across here i don't know if it's if it's been made if people can understand it because all I'm seeing right now in the world are people getting caught in this zero point, like pinpoint realities where they can't see outside of this little tiny parameter of reality with one fractal. It's which is very honestly, it's like a very frightening thing to me. Um, I think it's an essential uh, a skill, an essential growth necessity. Um, to be able to see things outside and away from yourself and to, and to look at the larger picture and be able to process that. It's like, you know, when you hear me, I'm like, I don't really believe. Um, I'm not one of those people that thinks, oh, magic always has a price. That's bullshit. It doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't have a price at all. But, but it does obey law the same way scientific things obey certain kinds of laws. And so for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you do something shitty with magic, uh, it's likely you'll attract something shitty to yourself. That's, and that's what I mean when I'm telling somebody, you know, like do whatever you want, but just, just, just make sure you can accept the consequences for your actions because there might be bad things you don't know yet. Um, and for myself, it, it goes back to that thing 
I was telling you earlier um, that it lets me it lets me step back from situations in the situation and see more. Um, not always, but sometimes. Well, most of the time. So, you know, there's that there's that thing like you're saying if you if you if you're looking only at the snapshot and not necessarily the meta the metadata that goes with it, you're going to see that guy passing a bag of kittens into a lake. But what you might not see is that was the quickest, most expedient way to maybe stop their suffering. Maybe they were diseased. Maybe they couldn't afford yes. to, you yeah. know, couldn't afford to take them to the vet and pay for them to all be put down or, or whatever that situation is. It's that thing. There's always more to what's going on than you're letting yourself be aware of. Mm-hmm. And when you allow yourself to be aware of the unseen stuff in a situation, it's like, you know, it's that thing about what I was saying about people's behavior. It allows me to see where, oh, this is this behavior is is something that's happening because of this specific type of wounding or this specific event that's playing itself out energetically in somebody's life. I mean, those things happen. But being aware of the connection, being aware of uh, some of the the depth and the metadata in it allows you to have a different perspective even in the moment. So it's one of those things when when I hear people talking about um, wanting to develop, um, oh shoot, what's the term? Uh, or you're just cognizant of the moment you're in. I forget, there's a, there's a catchy term for that. Um, but when you're trying I call to be, that lucidity. <laughs> yeah, see, I just call that clarity. When I have clarity, I'm I'm okay. But there's there's like some new agey term for it. Um, I just can't remember what it is. Uh, mindful. If it, when you're trying to be mindful, that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about letting yourself perceive the rest of the data that's available to you. Because there's always so much more that's going on in a situation than you're letting yourself see. And when I say letting yourself see, I mean, whatever personal biases you're carrying with you, no matter on what level you carry them, always affect how you perceive everything. So, so again, your man with the cats, maybe you now hate that guy, that's a perception. So that's, that's going to make you biased to how you view those kinds of situations, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if you, if you like have, if you're just spiritually aware, you're having clarity, you're, you're having a situational awareness and, uh, you know, mindfulness happening all at the same time, you can allow yourself to see that other data unless you don't want to, because sometimes let's face it. Sometimes we just want to be mad at the person we're mad at. We don't want to see the explanation for whatever it was they did that pissed us off. We just want to be angry because we're human. And sometimes we want to roll around in our feelings and really experience the living hell out of them, even when it's bad for us. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Unless maybe you rolling around in that is going to be bad for other people around you. Maybe curtail that, you know. Were you thinking of present moment awareness or situational yeah, awareness? Yeah, yeah, One of those two. Yeah, oh, Mr. A said that. Cool. Oh, cool. I love Mr. A. Um, all right. So I was not aware that we hit 
this two-hour mark. We got ten more minutes. <laughs> oh, has it been that long already? Yes. Yeah. Like, look, I normally when I watch the, when I would listen to the show, I usually I like have the chat on and all that. I have nothing. I can see you and Nisha's avatars. That's it. That's all I see. Too. <laughs> Jerry well, gives me little reminders because we want to always open for the questions from the audience and you know and and oh, whatever. Yeah. And so I I just can't even believe it. Uh so I, 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 uh, that's what I'm saying. It usually and does. It usually does. This but Adam in particular, I feel like I can't get enough of Adam. There's so I don't know where you are, Adam, with with there's uh you're putting together something and i don't know if you want to yeah talk about your new project i don't know yeah i don't know our, if you want our, to talk our about new that project too i mean it's I, uh, now or later i don't know where you are with that so it's definitely now would be that time to talk about that i can, all i can say is i'm extremely excited i um myself and uh, uh jerry and nish and my friend suzanne and um our good friend uh uh, Grimsteak. Um, we're all going to be uh, doing a podcast together. Um, we have our, our, we're recording our first show this Thursday. Tomorrow. Um, yeah, tomorrow. And it's, uh, it's going to be a kind of a discussion show where we, we kind of get together and, uh, and just talk about different topics, both uh, uh, in the spiritual and in the physical. And um, I think the thing for us, um, well, for me, the thing that's different is, is I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and I hear a lot of people talk about just all the negative things that are going on. And I thought, you know, it'd be really nice. I would like to hear a podcast where, where we talk about that stuff, but, but also we bring out the positive that's in it. Um, because even when we don't want to believe it, there, there are positive things to take away from nearly every situation that we encounter. And, and since we're pretty much the only creatures on the face of the planet that get to choose how we view things and get to choose how we ultimately feel about things, I think it's more important for us to make a more positive choice and to be able to talk about those negative things or to talk about those uh, maybe not negative things, but still be able to bring to the table uh, any positivity that, that we can and bring that out of the thing. Um, yeah, so uh, um, we're going to be calling the podcast uh, uh, Come to the Table. So, uh, you know, um, hopefully when we premiere here in the next couple months, uh, you'll all come to the table and spill a little spiritual tea with us and get a little caught up in the quantum tea tablement that is the water of our lives. It's, it's very exciting. Yeah. When, yeah, it, it's like, I just want to be part of anything Adam does. It's, and, and I'm, you know, I only committed to once a month because I'm so, I'm really busy, but I had to be part. <laughs> but My we're going to record for 10 too. hours, so you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> we, you can, we can do a whole show in one recording like this because the time just doesn't seem to exist. And then you can just break it up into a year's worth. I'm joking, of course. All to the good. So, and is there anywhere, can people find you anywhere besides, I know you're in Cruising with Stakes Discord. Um, uh, right now I'm in, uh, in Cruising with Stakes Discord. Um, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not good with social media. 
um, it's it's viral in a bad way by my way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I do have a Twitter. Uh, I do have a Twitter account. But here's the thing. I've had it since uh, 2018. I've never even tweeted anything. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a little bit more out there. Um, because for a long time, like um, I've really taught privately and, and work privately because a lot, a lot of the work that I do is, is healing and spiritual path work with people. And that's, that's a sacred thing to me. I, um, I, I only ever advertise uh, like by word of mouth. I, I only to ever take new people um, who, who come uh, from, from a referral. So I'm, I'm kind of reaching this new place. Um, with that aspect of my life so uh hopefully soon um at the very least we'll have a a podcast facebook page where people can uh can touch base with us and um, um we have a website too up, yeah i'll be setting up a website and a discord server too because i that's another thing about doing this podcast i'm really looking forward to um one of the most dynamic things about uh watching nox mente is just seeing some of the amazing things that happen in chat. And um, I, I would love to be in a position to have some of those amazing conversations with the people that listen to, uh, to our podcast and to this podcast. Yeah. So, so I'm really looking forward to building up some, uh, you know, some, some community or at least some connection with people so that you know, we're not all alone in the world and maybe we don't need to feel that way and, and we should let the tea bind us, so to speak. Well, <laughs> maybe not bind, but connect. <laughs> Binding can be crappy. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not really sure about, uh, about Twitter and social media. I think I can live with a Facebook page if it's, if it's just for the podcast. But um, I, do plan, uh, I do plan on opening up our uh, Discord server for... Uh, other people excellent um, right I now we're just Facebook. using it as a planning stage or yeah. a planning area but yeah but i do love discord and i try my best to to pop into different servers of people i love and it's the closest i get to social media i think really that's where i'm at is just on discord a lot yeah discord's great okay so jer hello I'm here. Sorry. I, was muted. <laughs> I couldn't figure out where my Zoom window was. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm muted on my microphone. Whatever. Jerry. And I was I doing had, other stuff. I was I, Jerry posting memes everything. on Facebook. God, give me a break. Oh, geez. I bet you were. I, I was. have no idea. I'm not on Facebook. I was. But I, um, I, I'm so, 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 so grateful, Adam, that you were that you came on here and was yeah, gracious thanks, enough to speak so freely and openly. I know for a fact there are people out there that need this information and some of the, the words that you uttered your utterances this evening. And, uh, I, you know, I'm all, before I do every show, I light a candle and incense and I, you know, have my own little set prayers for it. And, and one of those prayers that's constant is that the words of the evening from the, the guests of the evening find who they need to find. Now, I know synchronistically they do, but this was, I just went in knowing because 
I, you have to know, Adam, I know I'm gushing on him, but it, there's just something extra with you. And uh, so I'm just grateful. That's what, let me just boil it down to that. Thank you, Adam, for being here. I, I, I have to say thank you very much. Um, I have really enjoyed my time here and I, I have enjoyed being able to open up and share um, not only with, with you guys, but, but with your audience. Um, this is a really new experience for me. Um, I, I tend to be very, very private with, uh, with uh, the spiritual aspects of my life. Um, but I have enjoyed sharing them with you guys and, and I look forward to doing it again. Um, not just here, but, but uh, on my own podcast. And um, I just want to say, uh, so that you know and you understand, I have this thing where, and, and this comes, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, um, I think death is a necessary part of life, uh, but I've lost a lot of people. And um, it has made me understand, deeply, deeply understand the importance of saying thank you. It has made me deeply understand the importance of letting the people that I, you know, letting people in my life know how much I care for them. So I just want you to both know that you're loved and you're blessed. And it has been a blessing to know both of you. And I look forward to the growth. And I would like to thank everybody who, uh, who's listened to the show tonight. Um, I'd like to thank you for, for the blessing of your attention. Thank you so much. And thank you, Adam. And thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. We have uh, Craig Williams, who is, uh, I don't know what his deal is. He wrote Entering the Desert and Cult of Golgotha, two of the best books. He's like I a healer dude, right? Yes, but the, Entering the Desert is one of the best books I've read in 10 years. And then I'm, I'm into Cult of Golgotha. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, Randy Moggins is in chat. Hello, Randy. It's, uh, I don't know, are we still, have, I'm so sorry we didn't, get to have you in our chat the other day with yeah. Emily and sent you burnt a white candle and sent you all my love. I hope you're feeling better. We both are. <clears throat> I'm trying to get him to uh, come on the obelisk in April. Oh, I hope you say <laughs> yes, Randy. <laughs> no pressure, dude. Anyway, everyone have a great night. We'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.